0: xbox on welcome to xbox on a podcast with one host about one console xbox i am said host jesse de rosa and on today's episode we'll be talking about the latest xbox news for the week of august 4th 2022 including details surrounding the next tomb raider game have surfaced sony has something to say about microsoft owning call of duty let's talk hopes and dreams for halo infinite's forge mode and more this day in xbox history 27 ball funky pool released as an indie title on the xbox 360 worldwide in the year 2011 yeah i've never heard of it Uh, all right guys welcome to episode 166 of the xbox on podcast just 600 more episodes to go until we hit the magical devil number guys I'm very excited to be here with you this week because, boy, oh, boy, am I excited just about everything going on in the world of gaming. It's a very exciting time. As I mentioned last week, I don't I don't know why I get this way, but when almost nothing is happening in gaming, that is when I'm at my peak happiness. It's, it's either got to be one extreme or the other. It's got to be like nothing is going on in gaming, and I'm like, God, games are so great. I just have all this time to carve out whatever games I want to play, whatever way I want to enjoy gaming, and just do that. Without other things distracting me. Or I like it where it's just the opposite. Where it's like the heat of E3. And 45 really cool games were just announced. And like Xbox has just announced. That they're acquiring the rights. To fucking Michelin tires. And you're just like god damn. This is so much cool news all at once. But I hate the in between. I hate the steady flow of like. Here's some mildly interesting stuff. Here's some really cool stuff. There's hey, a little bit of something for everyone. and It's just like listen man. I, I, can't, I can't be normal. I have to be either extremely monotone and boring or I had to be like out like blowing cocaine out my ass excited so we're in one of those moments where it's just a, a whole lot of nothing for everyone which is giving me the proper time to just enjoy gaming at my own pace play the games I want to play enjoy the hobby the way I see fit although I suppose we really should all just have more control over how we enjoy our hobbies and maybe not let the external factors affect our enjoyment Hey, 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 hey. this is no place for existentialism or trying to work out our, our psychological hang-ups that impact our daily lives. This is a place where we can come together talk about the mildly amusing stories, updates, corrections regarding the Xbox On Podcast and the world of Xbox News. And this week, boy oh boy, we have some interesting stories. I want to just start out with, roll the dice with y'all, come down, let's, let's get on up and talk about Xbox News. Guys, we got stuff coming in from Windows Central, we got stuff coming in from VGC, we got Bloomberg Reports, we got everything. But we don't have any corrections because I'm a goddamn genius. I get nothing wrong when I podcast except, you know, the stuff that I get wrong that no one corrects me on because you guys need to leave five-star iTunes reviews. How do you like that segue? Hey, baby, five-star reviews, big old comments. We're not actually going to get into that right now. We're going to talk about Xbox. Guys, let's talk about Halo Infinite. I'm sure this applies to many of you because Xbox fans, Halo fans, they kind of go hand in hand. But there have been a lot of Halo Infinite leaks lately about Forge Mode. And man, oh, man, I should have had that Twitter account pulled up. To give proper credit to the guy. Actually, I could probably pull it up real. But uh yeah, there have been plenty of leaks surrounding Halo Infinite's Forge mode. Oh, that's it. Mr. Rebs on uh on Twitter, who's just been leaking the fuck at like sharing details, screenshots, videos, all this information, giving us a pretty in-depth look at what we can expect regarding the new forge mode. Now, I have largely stayed away from like talking about this on the podcast because little tidbits here and there. I'm just like, I don't really know how to incorporate that into the show without you know, without using my brain, and also just I don't know. I've been, I guess, a little out of the Halo spirit, so I haven't really wanted to talk about it unless absolutely necessary, guys. I think now's the time to let's just maybe bring it up. What's going on with Halo, Halo Infinite's Forge mode? And I'm not trying to be negative. I actually want this to be a positive, little two minutes, giving some shout out some love to Halo Infinite. The Forge mode, we're told, it's supposed to be like early fall, something, end of mid late season two content. I think they originally said sometime around like September or something like that. So really, we should be just a couple weeks away from some form of announcement or update regarding where we are with forge hopefully you know we're no more than a month or two away from us actually having our hands on it whether that's in some early access form or proper release i don't know yet but i gotta be honest from what we're seeing from all the leaks and everything halo infinite's forge mode looks so good that it breaks my heart that it couldn't have released with halo infinite on launch day last december because man oh man this forge mode could have you know from what we're seeing at least assuming that it plays out as well as it looks this forge mode could have saved everything that was wrong with Halo Infinite it just could have added so much endless fun and value and replayability to the game that I think otherwise the game really lacks with its you know shortage of maps and and uh just limited feature set and all that and just cripplingly low weapon count and all that and uh man it's i, I don't want to focus on that too much because i'm sure every xbox podcast you listen to outside of xbox on is probably also beating that drum to death and honestly it's kind of a tired conversation so i don't really want to get into the retrospective of what could have been i'd rather stay focused on what's ahead and man this forge mode looks so good and what i'm mainly referring to is just all the ridiculous shit they're adding to it that wasn't already in it so in halo 5 there was the ability or there was a glitch an exploit where you could like combine two weapons together and do like weird shit with them and now they're like oh people were exploiting this anyway might as well just make it a feature and so now that's just a thing you can do um you have the ability to scale objects and and do all this really crazy shit with them and change the pro- the properties and the functions of certain weapons and objects so that, like, y- you know, there's a video of, like, basically someone made a gravity gun, like, from Half-Life within Halo Infinite. Really cool shit, but the thing that excites me the most was this screenshot I saw, someone basically sh- building a boarded-up window, a la Call of Duty Nazi Zombies, but in Halo Infinite, and it got me thinking, the one thing Forge needs more than anything as a as a longtime Disney Infinity fanboy I'll say is the ability for you to add scripting in Forge. I want scripting so bad. And for those who don't know, basically the ability for you to basically do level design in and make it so that the world functions and operates, you know, with things and you can basically essentially create levels and in, in, in events with it. So like for example like scripting is, like triggering that like when you walk into this room this light will turn on or this object will do this function or like, like this sound loop will trigger or whatever. And these are just like fundamental basic little, little scripts or loops you can create to, well, these are things game developers use to build video games to make video games happen. So just the idea of like adding this scripting ability into Halo Infinite so that hypothetically you can, you know, spawn enemies in a building that is boarded up and script them to rip the boards off the building and then come out and attack you at a slow speed with melee only abilities and make it kind of like Call of Duty zombies and that those can be infected. And then, you know, you, you can script it to where like there is some object that every time you interact with it it gives you a random weapon out of the box. And it's like, cool, now we have the mystery box. And you know, I I don't know how technical these these features would be at launch. Maybe over time they can add more and more to it. But just the idea of having some like rudimentary Halo Infinite Nazi Zombies knockoff just got me so incredibly hyped and excited. And that is just one application of how like you could take Forge to the next level. And it just seems like Halo Infinite really has the potential to do that with its Forge mode. And I don't know, man, like this is this is something that would totally captivate me and pull me back into Halo Infinite and just have me playing tons of more hours of this game being like, hey, I, you know, the, the, the campaign's great, but I, I beat that, I'm done with that. Hey, the multiplayer's great, but I don't always feel like you know, like breaking a sweat when I'm just trying to chill out on the couch after a long day of work. Forge could be a really fun place to just play some Halo Infinite, get together with some buddies, goof off, have an insanely fun and ridiculous time and make new memories playing Halo without, you know, while experiencing something new, but not necessarily having to, you know, fucking put a snap back on backwards and crack open a can of G Fuel and put your phone on silence so you can really focus in on all the keystrokes of your awesome RGB mechanical keyboard, I don't know. And uh, I I don't know, I just want to say I'm really excited for Forge and we're getting close to when we should probably hear something and these leaks have definitely got me hyped and I just want to put some good vibes out there to, to Halo Infinite and say, Forge, I see you, I'm looking forward to you, cannot wait. All right, that's the first thing I wanna talk about. The next thing, this is technically something that I guess should have been news last week because I think this broke, like, the day I recorded. I'm not entirely sure. But I I had a hard time with this one, because I'm like, it's technically not an Xbox game. But I think it counts, because I think eventually this might make its way to Xbox. At the very least, it is a PC-related story. So let's just talk about it, I I guess, real quick. Bloomberg had this whole report last week that Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic remake, which is being developed by Aspire, um, and people think it is maybe being published by Sony, but we don't really know who's publishing it, I guess. I guess it's Lucasfilm and Sony. Um, But anyway, the, the project, which was only announced recently... Has already been indefinitely delayed. So apparently, like things are going real bad. They apparently already fired the two studio heads that were leading the project at Aspire, and it's not a good story over there. So we, I assume, one day we'll probably learn more about the behind the scenes and what's actually going on here. But this game that had people incredibly hyped, that a lot of us were lamenting, why the fuck didn't Xbox get this? Like, how, how did Xbox not manage to, ra- you know, bag this one? You know, Knights of the Republic, a classic Xbox original game, and a console exclusive. How would you not want to make sure you get that as as a console exclusive for your Series X? But it looks like, judging by thing, how things are going, maybe Xbox will have the last laugh on this one because it seems like it's in development hell. So I, I think that's a thing worth mentioning. We don't know necessarily if this game would ever come to Xbox or not, but it is coming to PC, which is Xbox adjacent. And it is notable because the game, even though this iteration of it isn't announced for Xbox, is a game that has a massive Xbox heritage, no doubt, and uh, it's probably worth mentioning. To all you Star Wars fans who are sad about this, just take comfort knowing that, you know, at least you'll have like 1,400 more Star Wars television series on Disney Plus to enjoy while we wait to find out what happens uh, next with Knights of the Old Republic remake. But yeah, that's, uh, I guess, something worth noting. Next up, I want to talk about a game that's coming really soon to Xbox. It's also coming to other platforms, but um, it's coming to Xbox and PC on September 27th. And I think this is a game that might appeal to some some of you Xbox that maybe don't play on Nintendo or don't have a Nintendo Switch, but are interested in all the hubbub surrounding you know one of the biggest games in Nintendo in Nintendo's uh, stable, which is Animal Crossing. So a new game called Hoko Life, which has apparently been in Steam Early Access for quite a while anyway, is about to release in its final form on consoles and on PC next month, September 27th. The game is basically just Animal Crossing. Like, I watched the trailer. This game legitimately looks like Animal Crossing, but made by Westerners. Like, it's like Animal Crossing, but the animals look a little less less cutesy and a little more just like generic cartoon. And it's Animal Crossing, but... Uh, When you're outside pulling weeds and taking care of your garden, it looks a little less cutesy Japanese and a little more um, just like fucking Farmville from Facebook. (laughs) But the game, it looks interesting. I I think it's kind of an unfortunate situation that this game isn't going to be a Game Pass title because I think you could build a huge Xbox audience surrounding this game if it launched in the Game Pass. But depending on the price, I might pick this one up and give it a go just out of sheer curiosity. I, I used to really love Animal Crossing. It's one of those games like Pokemon for me where I'm like, I still love the franchise. I still admire the game, but I don't feel the need to play it anymore. In fact, the the most recent one on Switch is the first Animal Crossing I, I I never I never owned or bought just because I was like, you know what? I between the the four or five Animal Crossings before this game, I got enough. I get it. I get it. It's the same game every time. You move in the city, you got the neighbors, Captain Captain Hook or no. Tom Nook is a fucking asshole. I get it you know it's a cute game it's a fun game it's a good time but i I don't know the prospect of like having something akin to that on xbox might intrigue those who maybe don't play switch but are interested in an experience like animal crossing so i thought this was maybe worth a worth a shout yeah it's coming out in a couple weeks the trailers are out on youtube maybe go check it out if you're interested but that's hoko life an animal crossing like game coming to xbox very soon Next up, our boy Jez Corden over at Windows Central had a, a little article that I want to go over a little bit of. This normally would have been like a proper news story. I just don't have too much to say to it. So we'll, we'll talk about it up here. But um, Kevin LaChapelle and Catherine Gluckstein, who lead the Xbox cloud gaming effort at Microsoft, sat down to recap. This is on a video, like a Xbox video uh, on YouTube. To recap the biggest updates and enhancements to the cloud gaming program over the past year, Gluckstein it's either gluckstein or gluckstein i don't know noted that xbox cloud gaming's hourly use had grown 1800 percent in the past year alone with Ch- Lachapelle uh emphasizing that microsoft is working to meet demand with additional servers across the globe in a recent call to investors microsoft noted its plans to double xbox cloud gaming server capacity in the coming year as more and more heavy hitters appear permanently as part of the service obviously this has largely in a way to do this massive growth in usership with fortnite which is not on mobile app stores anymore due to that lawsuit the epic games apple lawsuit thing that happened last year so obviously that plays a massive role in this because there's that mobile workaround we can go to xbox.com play in a mobile browser or in any browser and you can stream fortnite to your phone via xbox cloud gaming for free And so this has been a huge boon for Fortnite fans on mobile and for Xbox's cloud gaming initiative. So that probably has an overwhelming amount to do with what's going on here. But nonetheless, it's a good way to grow the recognition and reputation of Xbox cloud gaming either way. And especially as we see, you know, in the near future when we start getting things like Starfield, which are going to be pretty attractive offerings for players, that there may be more and more demand for this. And it's a service you want to maybe double, triple down on. Um, especially when you consider uh, Starfield is not going to be on PlayStation. So if you're a PlayStation fan who loves Bethesda games, doesn't own an Xbox, doesn't play on PC, this might be an opportunity for you to give Xbox Cloud Gaming a go. You know, maybe be like, hey, I got a PS5. I got a phone. I don't really do PC gaming. Maybe I'll give this Xbox Cloud Gaming a try, subscribe to that Game Pass for a little bit and play Starfield that way and, you know, grow an audience. And this is what Xbox wants, right? So they said that they want to put these Bethesda games and titles from, you know, these publishers on platforms where game pass exists. And right now that's mobile devices and Xbox and PC. And I I think with games like that coming up, we have a lot of potential to expose this, uh, this service to a lot, a lot of people. My only concern is that will people have a good experience with the service? I have used Xbox cloud gaming actually a lot more than I, I ever thought I would. And my experience with it has always been mixed. The very first time I ever used it, I had the most amazing experience I played the entirety of uh, that last Tomb Raider game, um, Shadow of the Tomb Raider, I played the entirety of that game on my Razer Phone 2, streamed through xCloud um, with an Xbox controller uh, hooked up to it, one of those little phone clips for your Xbox controller, and it worked flawlessly. I had such an amazing time. I was so blown away by just how seamless and great that experience was, and honestly, since then, I've never had an experience that was that quite that impressive. I've always had a lot of lag, visual lag, just uh, buffering and all these kinds of issues. Although, I will say the the most consistently great part about Xbox Cloud Gaming has always been the low latency. But the buffering, the buffering has always been a bitch. The buffering and the, and the lag. Uh, but the, it's that controller input that's always been really, really good. I don't know. Like, I, I remember I tried to play Psychonauts 2 at the airport last year while I was waiting for my flight, and that was a pain in the ass. Uh, that was on my Surface Pro. I've tried to play Halo Five from my my own home on my own home Wi-Fi, and it's been a piece of shit. I've streamed games directly to my Xbox, and it's been usually a lot better than mobile devices, but it's not a hundred percent. And I, I don't mean a hundred percent like it's just like downloading the game. I mean a hundred percent like it's not a hundred percent with like the with like the lack of buffering and, and screen tearing and all that shit. So, I uh, I really hope that they can really manage to make this service as. Effective as possible, considering all types of internet limitations, because they're getting a lot of exposure right now. With Fortnite, and you probably want to keep that going, especially as you get some really notable releases again, like Starfield, in the near future. But good for Xbox, good for game uh, cloud gaming, good for Game Pass. This is all. On the up and up, this is the plan. Nowhere to go but up for Xbox when it comes to all these new initiatives to get Xbox content on multiple platforms. All right, guys, and our last, two more quick things I wanna go over before we jump into the proper news. One, Windows Central uh, relays a story from the MPD group who track game sales and statistics and data month to month in the US, and they say that spending on video games has fallen notably quite a bit. Compared to 2021's numbers. So spending for quarter two 2022 reached $12.35 billion in the U.S., a decline of $1.78 billion compared to quarter two 2021. The MPD group cited a lack of new game releases and the rising cost of necessities like food and gas as some of the reasons for the decline in spending. And players in the U.S. are spending less money on video games compared to last year in general. All right. So... I uh, the main. I mean, I think this is pretty obvious. I think most people probably hear this and jump to the same two conclusions. Like if I if I said, "Hey, are you surprised to find out that a lot less people are spending money, or a lot less money is being injected into gaming right now, um, compared to where we were at a year ago with consumers, as far as consumers are concerned?" I think most people would be like, oh yeah, well that makes sense. You know, a lot of we, we've largely moved on from COVID, and people are kind of back out. And the, well, fuck, we're gonna get struck for that on on Spotify, uh, and you know, and people are kind of back to normal and all that stuff, and uh, and and the economy is kind of in a weird spot right now. So people are probably trying to tighten up on their spending a little bit. So I think most people would maybe say something like that. I, I definitely think the Black Plague has something to do with this, in that I I don't know. I guess I can only. It was different depending on where you where in the world you live. But I will say from my perspective, living in a major tourist city, last summer was a really weird one because at the start of the summer, it felt like the attitude was like, okay, the vaccine's out. Everyone fucking take your masks off, go back to normal. And it was like, dude, I remember like the weirdest experience I had last summer was there was one night I went to a freaking dive bar with a friend and it was one of those emo nights where like a musician from one of the old classic Warped Tour emo bands would be like, guest hosting an emo night they just play a bunch of fucking classic emo songs and in, in the bar and everyone would just drink and hang out and i remember going to that that event that summer or last summer and being like this is the most normal feeling thing in the entire world it just felt like shit was normal again and then like literally two months later it was just like put your mask back on there's a new uh there's a new winter time variant fuck you everything's back to lockdown. So last year was kind of weird because it was like a little bit up, a little bit down, a little bit up, a little bit down. So I could see how you would want to blame the plague of 1847 on on this uh, massive shift in in spending. But honestly, I feel like I don't know. I feel like a lot of people kind of got back to quote unquote normal enough last year that we would have saw the decline in money in spending and everything really happen a lot last year. Um, but now we're, we're really seeing it this year, so I feel like that doesn't have as much to do with it as maybe people want to like knee-jerk respond to. And then the other thing that I want to respond to is the the other obvious answer, which is, well, yeah, 2022 is a pretty dry year in terms of gaming compared to 2021. You know, everything's gotten delayed out of this year. There's really not a whole lot happening. We had a really front-loaded first part of the year with with all these really big games, of course, Elden Ring and whatnot. But you know, into the summer months, especially, it's just gone bone dry there was nothing going on and yes that's true but I, I don't I don't I, I assume that is one of the main contributors if not the main contributor but we're sorry I, I don't know why I'm wording it this way I, I, sorry, I'm sorry I'm I'm getting ready to make my third point while I'm trying to make my second of, of three points and uh actually I I, th- I think that's the main contributor I don't even know what I'm saying I, I believe that is the main contributor is that is is just the complete lack of games this massive drought we're in I think it's causing a lot of people to be like, ah, you know what? Games are a little boring right now. There's not a whole lot going on. Let's see what else grabs my attention. Because the thing I kind of refuse to believe is that that third and final point. That's that's the one I really want to harp on, which is the whole, hey, the economy is kind of in decline right now. Like the, the, the world economy is kind of fucking hurting right now. We're, we're technically now in a recession or, you know, at least here in the United States, we have a government that keeps bragging about a low unemployment rate, which is just laughably the stupidest shit I've ever heard because no one is making like livable money, but we're just bragging about how everyone has jobs. It's like, yeah, we all work 50 hours a week to make barely enough money to pay our rent. Fuck you, you know? And I, and I think this is the one that I have the hardest time agreeing with because although yes, it kind of makes perfect sense on paper if people have less money they're going to cut back on things that don't make sense necessarily like gaming right you know like if you told me jesse i'm taking away a bunch of your money uh figure out how to fucking feed yourself and pay your bills probably one of the first things going out the window is like excessive spending on video games and theme parks and bullshit like that for me right i gotta i gotta go shop at aldi and pay my rent whatever so i i get that but The reason why I struggle with just accepting this as like a blanket response or or, um, reason is because if you go back and look at the 2008 recession, that massive recession a lot of the world went through just about a decade ago, spending in video games and entertainment in general is actually something that kind of soared and did obscenely well during that time period. It was a lot of people were just kind of in the shit and it was a really bad, dark time for a lot of people. And a lot of people escaped from all that bullshit by absorbing themselves in entertainment so a lot like a little fun fact for those who maybe don't know a lot of why playstation 4 and xbox one took so goddamn long to to hit market was because that that 2008 great recession really gunked up so much of of this this long-term plan for the games industry gaming was doing very well people were buying games and playing games but a lot of the manufacturers were worried that Hey, if we release a new console right now you know we're just going to kind of cannibalize this current generation of hardware which is just doing so well right now despite the economic hardship people are facing that's why we had xbox 360 for what felt like 2.4 billion years i think 360 went on for eight years eight full years before we got xbox one Um, that's a pretty damn long console generation and so I, I'm always reminded of that when people want to say things like, Oh, well, you know, it's tough times in the economy, so people are spending less on gaming. It's like, well, yeah, but less last, last time that happened, people like went gung ho on gaming. It's like, I understand like the economy's rough, you're not buying a new car. I get that. Or, you know, times are tough, you're not buying you know, you're not buying a house right now. You're not splurging on fancy dinners. But gaming is a relatively affordable hobby. So if you told me, like, I, I don't know, more realistically, because I, I feel like people paint this a little dire, more realistically, if people are a little strapped for cash right now financially, you're going to maybe go out to eat less. You're going to maybe buy fewer big purchased items. But staying home for the weekend instead of going out and playing Xbox and maybe dropping 10 15 bucks on a Fortnite skin here or a Call of Duty point there or dare I say a Robux here or there, you know, that is a much more cost-effective means of entertainment for people than like, yeah, me and my friends are going to go out to a nice restaurant and then go to the fucking club and get trashed tonight. It's like, well, that could be an expensive night. So I don't fully buy this uh, this knee-jerk, oh, what's well, the economy? Because I, I think this has mostly to do with just a kind of lackluster, boring year we're in for game releases. And, and to prove this point further... I'll just say it like this. I'm no economist, but I think we're all pretty well aware that things are about to get worse financially for everyone before they get better. Um, I'm willing to bet you that game spending will skyrocket once the games start hitting. And I guess we're going to have to really wait for 2023 for that to really come to fruition because... It seems like everything has been delayed to like spring and fall of 2023 so next year when we're inundated with 1400 000 AAA games that we all want to play and 14.6 billion game pass titles that we don't have enough time to play it, you tell me then that game ga- spending on gaming is not shooting up like crazy because i promise you it will but i don't know i understand that this economic situation is a little different from the last one uh, that, that i'm comparing to but um I, I did just want to draw that comparison because I, I do find that kind of just, uh, oh, well, this must be this kind of comparison or, or explanation. A little, uh, a little I guess, a little ignorant of history, if you will. But yeah, I mean, fuck, dude. W- once Sonic Frontiers comes out, you really think these motherfuckers ain't going to be buying games? All right, the last one. I got really nothing to say to this. I don't really know why I put this in here, but I just wanted to read it because I guess I wanted to laugh. Electronic Ar- Arts um said in an investor's call this past week, they are talking about how Uh, Single-player games are a really, really, really important part of their overall product mix. They're talking about how I think it's like over 60 or 70% of their revenue now at EA comes from live service games and microtransactions and things like that. You know, FIFA, Madden, uh, Apex Legends, things of that nature. But they're talking about how it's really, really important for them uh, to continue to invest in single-player experiences like the Star Wars Jedi games or Dead Space Remake. Or the new Dragon Age game that they gave a title to, but they're never actually going to put out in the real world because it's not a real game. Like, they're they're talking about all that and how it's super critical because these games, while they don't usually have legs, generally sell really well up front. And then they kind of help can, can help fill in those gaps when live service games are kind of like in flux periods. You know, when you're moving from this Madden to the next Madden, or when, you know, content's a little dry on Apex Legends and... Your player base is a little stagnant until the next content drop. It's really nice to have these big AAA single-player titles that can give you a big release, a big marketing push, a big chunk of money um, in an otherwise kind of fluctuated time period. So, I guess it's kind of a different different explanation, but EA has said this before. Yeah, oh, we believe in single-player games. We think single-player games should be made for people to purchase and then play with their Xbox controllers or PlayStation Dual Senses, and it's like. Yeah, man. Okay. So, I don't know. I feel like that's... I, I see a lot. I saw I saw this story making the rounds. I'm just like, I feel like I'm having deja vu because EA has said this before. It's like, okay, EA, put your money where your mouth is. Make us some really good, unique, single-player games. But uh, really, it seems like the only ones they've really done are a couple of Star Wars games. But I, I think I, we're about to see that change, so I won't be too judgmental. Guys, that's it for our update. Stories of Mild Amusement and all that good shit. I don't know how we spent 30 minutes on that. But hey, we're through it. So we're gonna move into the real news, but you know how this works. I don't just buttoned up all suit and tie, business as usual, move from one thing to the next thing. We gotta find a way to dick around in the middle of all this and do some stupid shit. So guys, let's talk about the games I've been playing this week before we get into the news. But you know, I can't even be that buttoned up and serious. We can't be that business as usual. We gotta be even more brain dead and stupid. So before I can tell you about what I've been playing this week, I gotta tell you about what I've been eating. And guys, I got two things I wanna talk about. One is Dave's Chicken. See, the thing about Dave's Chicken, and I I assume others uh, are familiar with this establishment. I think they're from California. I don't know. They are a new-ish, I believe, up-and-coming chicken, fast, casual, fast food restaurant. Uh, They specialize in hot chicken, you know, breaded, hot, fried, spicy chicken bread, fucking pickles, and mac and cheese, and french fries, whatever. And I was targeted a couple months back on Instagram because this place is like, hey, we think you're fat and you live in Central Florida. Come eat at Dave's Chicken. We're opening a new location. So I'm like, oh, that place looks really sexy as hell. I don't want to forget about this place. I want to check this out. So I followed them on Instagram just so it hit my feet a couple times and kind of like install, install into my brain like, hey, remember Dave's Chicken? You want to go there one of these days? Don't forget about that. So I did that. Come to find out the new location that they're bragging about that they opened up here in Central Florida is like basically an hour away from where I live. It's not close by at all. So whatever. I put it off for a long time. Like it's probably not going to be anytime soon I get to try Dave's. Well, life had other plans for me this weekend because uh, my girlfriend was out of town for the weekend and I was up not close to that area but a lot closer than I usually am to that area. And so I went over there, uh, visited a friend who lives in that area. Uh, and uh, we got together and went to the Dave's Chicken. And you know what? I, I've become a little jaded with these fast food places. And I don't even think I have a good reason why, because I haven't really been burnt lately by anything. But I, I walked in there like expecting to be disappointed. I'm like, oh, this place is all Instagram sizzle and flare with no, you know, nothing real substantive to tiv tiv. Uh, that's how I pronounce that word. And uh, so yeah, we go there, I have no expectation. I'm like, whatever, I'll just get the signature item and I'll get the thing, I'll put it in my mouth and it'll be probably okay. Gotta be honest about Dave's Chicken. Dave's Chicken lives up to the hype. All the Instagram posts, all the mac and cheese food porn shots I've seen with the filters, it was worth the hype. This place is damn good. It's like about 10 bucks or so a person. They only have three combos on the menu. You pick a one or a two or a three and it's like, do you want a chicken sandwich? Or do you want two tenders? Or do you want two sandwiches or something like that? And then it's like, okay, well, you, you get fries. You get mac and cheese. You, what, do you, what do you want? It's pretty straightforward. It's like, how how hot do you want your chicken? What combination of fries, mac and cheese, and chicken or whatever do you want? You order in two seconds? It's, it's as simple as that. Listen, guys, they got everything right. I have no complaints about Dave's. The chicken is juicy as fuck. It is crispy and breaded perfectly. Super flavorful breading. Super meaty and... Uh, full-flavored chicken. The, the sauce is awesome. I got a medium. They have like 10 degrees of hot you can add. I just got a medium based on recommendation. And uh, I think next time, I maybe go a little hotter, but it was very good. It was a decent amount of kick. And it wasn't just like spicy for the sake of being spicy. It was, a, it was an actual nice flavor in there. And uh, you get your pickles. Their pickles are made in-house and they are phenomenal. Uh, the the bun that they use for the chicken sandwich was quite good. And the mac and cheese, while not like, oh my God, this is the best mac and cheese was pretty damn good for fast food mac and cheese standards. I will say it's probably one of the better mac and cheese I've ever had at a fast food establishment. Maybe top three for sure. Maybe for sure. That's okay. Uh, Anyway, but I I don't know, man. I I, got to say Dave's Chicken. I look these motherfuckers up. They're kind of popping up all over the country at the very least. So chances are, if you're listening to this podcast, there is a chance that there is one open or opening soon in a city near you. I highly recommend you look into Dave's Chicken. You get their mac and cheese, you get their chicken. I didn't try their fries because I'm a mac and cheese kind of man, but I highly, highly recommend it. I would love to say I'd be back soon, but I'm not making an hour drive out to this place. It wasn't that good, especially when you live as close to Walt Disney World as I do. We can go there and eat the Cosmic Rays anytime you like. Get a little cheeseburger that's $13 and tastes like it's $4, but hey, you're at Disney World, so who cares? Uh, but yeah, it's. I, I mean, I'm, I'm all on board for Dave's chicken. Choo-choo, let's get on that train. But the, the other thing I want to talk about, food-related, and this is the one where my passion comes in. You might be like, Jesse, you seem like you like Dave's Chicken, but you weren't passionate about it. That's damn right. You're exactly right. Because my passion lies with something else right now. Now, I told you guys how I have this, and I don't mean this in a derogatory or offensive way. I mean this in a literal, like, so- psychological, scientific way. I have almost like a kind of autistic uh, fixation with my hobbies where it's like, you know, I'll listen to a song I like, and I'm like, oh, that's a good artist. Oh, I'm really into this artist and other artists like this artist. And for the next week, or next you know, one to three weeks, all I give a shit about is music like this. And I will just listen to it and learn about it and watch YouTube videos, and that's my thing. And then I'll be like, ooh, I'm done with that. It's like, okay, ooh, now I found this video game. Now I'm obsessed with this video game. Video games like this, this developer, gotta learn all about this. And then I'm just like, okay, I'm done with that. Now it's like, oh man, I'm really into fucking Hot Wheels this week. It's like, now I want to go buy Hot Wheels. I want to go buy a stupid Hot Wheels set that's made for eight-year-olds. I'm going to Amazon Prime ship it to my apartment. I'm going to play with it in my boxers. I'm not going to be judged. And that's just kind of how my brain's always changing. But this, my current obsession, no, it's not Rainforest Cafe, you bastards, is Wolfgang Puck. Now, you may recall I went to a Wolfgang Puck restaurant a few months ago. Had a phenomenal experience. I thought it was going to be fine but overpriced. And I walked away saying it was phenomenal, but overpriced. Hey, you like what I did there? But, uh, guys, Wolfgang Puck has just been gnawing at my brain all this time, and and this week I'm really letting out my inner Puck, and and I refer to him as Chef now, just just Chef. So if I if I say Chef, just know I'm specifically referring to Wolfgang Puck. But he's my idol. He's my everything. I've watched his Disney Plus documentary about two or three times now. I I, I keep going back on YouTube, and I'm finding all these like really long, drawn out recipe tutorials of 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 Wolfgang Puck that are like these are like 15, 20 year old videos that have just been uploaded to YouTube. And I'm just watching them like crazy. And I'm just enjoying this man. I, I don't know. There's something about it like. Everyone likes Gordon Ramsay, right? Because he's like the fun celebrity chef. You don't like him necessarily because oh my god, I want to learn how to cook from this man, but you like him because he's an entertainer and he you know, he's it's fun to watch him interact with children on MasterChef Junior or to watch him yell at adults on regular MasterChef or Kitchen Nightmares or something like that. But with Wolfgang Puck, I feel like of the celebrity chefs, with him it's it's about the food. Like when I watch him, I'm like I'm genuinely interested in this man's passion and way he conveys his af- affection for for food and, and for just sharing culinary art with people. And uh, I, I don't know. I'm just – I'm, like, really digging it. So my whole thing is, like, I'm reading Wolfgang Puck recipe books. I'm watching YouTube videos. He's my whole everything right now. So my girlfriend and I alternate every week, you know, my week to, to buy groceries and cook. Then it's her week to buy groceries and cook, and we switch on and off like that. Right now it's my week for grocery shopping and cooking, and I am all inspired by WP or Chef, as I like to call him, of course. And I'm just uh, I'm following a bunch of his recipes. Dude, we got fu- fucking crostini with pesto and in goddamn goat cheese. We're doing all the all the cool shit. I'm trying to cook with rustic everyday ingredients while making inspired del- delicious but healthy dishes. Wolfgang Puck, I know you're not dead, but if if you can hear me wherever you are, just know I'm thinking of you tonight and uh, I appreciate everything you do, chef. So, just a big old shout out to the WP. I guess he hasn't really been as big since like the 90s and early 2000s, but nonetheless, I love him. Guys, that's it for what I've been eating and for what I've been inspired to eat. I guess if you must and we and maybe we must, it's an Xbox podcast. Maybe we should talk about video games. Here's what I've been playing this week, and um, as, as I mentioned just a little bit ago, my girlfriend was out of town this weekend and the first half of this week, so I thought that meant I was going to sit around in my apartment all weekend and play video games. In fact, I was so prepared to do it, I downloaded a Plague Tale: Innocence because I was like, you know what? It's time to give this game a go. Everyone who plays it absolutely adores it. I know I will like it if I just force myself to play it. I'm just turned off because I hate old Europe. I hate, like that's fucking aesthetic. If you if you make me do something in Europe that is like 50 years or older, I'd get disgusted. And this is like 14th century Black Plague Europe. It's France, I believe it takes place in. And I'm just like, God damn, I hate that setting. But I know, listen, I love games like The Last of Us. I love these third person, very heavily narrative driven character games. There's no way I'm not gonna like this game. So I gotta play it. I downloaded it. I didn't play it. <laughs> it's still sitting there on my hard drive. No, rather what I did was I, I spent the, I don't know what I did this weekend to be honest. I watched Wolfgang Puck tutorial videos and um, I, I played, pl- played music or something. I don't fucking, I did nothing. I played rock band. No, but I did, I, I have been sneaking in some Black Ops Cold War here and there. Now, at the beginning of the summer, I told myself, no more Call of Duty. I want to just stay away from Call of Duty until Modern Warfare 2 comes out. So there's kind of a pent-up excitement for some Call of Duty. So I deleted, uh, I, I deleted uh, what is it called, Vanguard, the newer one. Because that game, I enjoyed it for a few weeks, but I don't need to play that one again. I'm, that's, that's not a special Call of Duty for me. Um, I deleted Modern Warfare 2019. I was like, cool, we're not doing this. I deleted Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War because it was taking 2.4 terabytes on my fucking hard drive. Um, but this past week, I fell I fell victim to the the COD again, and I downloaded Black Ops Cold War again. And I I don't know I'm just really enjoying like listening to podcasts and playing some gun game and and all that. And I've been I've been grinding the Black Ops Cold War multiplayer for whatever Godforsaken reason. But could I be working on my season two battle pass on Halo Infinite that I still need to finish? Yes. Could I be playing a Plague Tale Innocence and finally enjoying that game that everyone regards as a masterpiece? Yes. Could I be playing one of many, many, many games in my black and my black catalog, back catalog, including all these Yakuza games that I really want to get around to? Yes. Am I just playing Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War and Killing Time again? Yeah, unfortunately. But that's what I've been playing this week, and I'm not proud of it, and it's not exciting. And I'm sure many of you are currently turning off the podcast, maybe leaving a two-star review. If you're in the UK, probably leaving a one star review because you guys seem to review me a little harsher. You goddamn uh fucking what do they call them, lobster backs. That's okay. That's fine. That's all good and well. We have weeks like that. This weekend, I do plan on getting back to normal. I, I felt very out of my element with my girlfriend not being around. I, I found out I'm a very apparently I'm a very dependent person. My environment felt shifted. I felt like me and my cat were home alone all weekend, just kind of like, what the hell do we do without her? So, it was it was a weird it was a weird energy. And we're getting back to normal. Okay, this weekend I'm gonna play a video game. God damn it, it might be a Plague Tale Innocence. I might even come back and talk about the game next week. You never know. But unfortunately nothing exciting to to report to you on what i've been playing but hey dave's chicken's good so remember don't sleep on that shit guys that's it for what i've been eating what i've been playing and it's time at this point this juncture in the podcast that we talk about the news because we got a decent amount of it to get through and some of it is pretty damn interesting so let's get to this spicy meatball they call the news all right all right let's get into the news guys we alluded to it at the top of the show by mentioning Tomb Raider, and now and now we're going to talk about Tomb Raider. Okay, guys, we got a big old story that's unfolded, and it has to do, surprisingly, with one of my favorite, actually my favorite podcast of all time. VGC reports, the next Tomb Raider game could feature an experienced Laura Croft leading a team of Tomb Raiders. You heard that right. That's according to a script allegedly being used to cast the unrevealed game's actors, which could be obtained which was obtained and shared by Sacred Symbols podcast host Colin Moriarty. According to the alleged scripts, the next Tomb Raider game is internally known as Project Jawbreaker and is described as an action-adventure game set in a modern-day world rocked by a mysterious cat. According to the alleged casting notes for Laura, the project is looking to cast an authentic British actress in her mid-30s in the, pro- in the prototype of Emily Blunt or Rosamund Pike. I don't know who that second person is, but I know who that first person is because I like Disney and they do Mary Poppins. The role will involve romantic scenes with another female character. Quote, Laura Croft is now at the top of her game. The script reads, gone are the days of young and a young and inexperienced woman dealing with the matters of legacy and familial reckoning, familial reckoning. Laura has let go of her childhood and fully embraced the life of an adventurer. Her adventurer. Leg- her legendary career has been lauded and printed in tabloids, tall tales of adventures that have inspired a new generation of Tomb Raiders to seek their fortunes in the world. With this new phase of her life, Laura, finally, Laura fully accepts her place among the ruins. For many years, Laura plunged into the depths of forgotten places, played cat and mouse with many nefarious opponents, and worked to uncover, preserve, and protect the lost secrets of the world, lest they fall into the wrong hands. The script then describes what appears to be a team setup for a new Tomb Raider, which could see multiple characters involved in the core gameplay. Additionally, to, uh, sorry, additional Tomb Raiders have, spe- have speaking roles in the alleged script, including characters Devendra and Tanvi. Quote, as the years have passed, Laura has become lonely at the top. The story synopsis reads, the beginning of the next chapter presents Laura with a quintessentially adult problem facing something too big to handle alone. On this new adventure, Laura will encounter a challenge she can only overcome with a team at her side. Collaborating is a foreign collaboration is a foreign is foreign to her, goddamn. She's always succeeded alone, so in this situation, she's a fish out of water. Quote. Developer Crystal Dynamics has announced the next Tomb Raider game has entered development earlier this year, and they announced that they're using the Unreal Engine 5 to create the game. Dallas Dickinson, Tomb Raider franchise GM at Crystal Dynamics, said in April that the team The team's goal with the next game was to push the envelope of fidelity and to deliver the high-quality cinematic action-adventure experience that fans deserve. That doesn't sound like a multiplayer game. In a January video outlining plans for the franchise's 25th anniversary this year, Crystal Dynamics revealed that Lara Croft's next adventure will unify the timeline in Core Design's original Tomb Raider games and its own reboot trilogy, but warned fans not to expect it any time soon. Crystal Dynamics and the Tomb Raider IP were obtained by Embracer Group back in May when Square Enix sold a majority of their Western developers to Embracer Group, as you may recall. And just a quick aside, following this news, following this announcement and this leaked information or shared information rather, Crystal Dynamics filed a DMCA request via Patreon to Last Stand Media, the parent company of Sacred Symbols Podcast hosted by Colin Moriarty. Patreon is, of course, the platform where the podcast is hosted uh, early to patrons, supporters, paid supporters of the podcast. And full disclosure, I am proudly one of those people. So they filed a DMCA request to Patreon after the hosts of the podcast read the script, reportedly being used to cast actors for the next game. The script, which has widely been reported on, as we just talked about, uh, was featured in the episode of the podcast. Host Col- Colin Moriarty... Um, was contacted by Patreon and asked to remove the, the offending material or risk being suspended from the platform. According to Moriarty, the DMCA came in via Square Enix. The Japanese publisher has agreed to sell Crystal Dynamics, but obviously at the time of this writing, the completion of that deal has not happened yet, still subject to various regulatory um, external approvals and things of that nature. So, um, interesting he uh it's apparently they've they've since edited the episode removed parts of it but haven't fully taken it all down we'll see how that plays out i guess it's not really as pertinent to the actual story we're talking about here but guys there you have it the next tomb raider and the reason i even really include the whole thing about oh the podcast was asked to take the episode down patreon was told to remove the 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 podcast blah 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 offending material um is because that validates that validates the uh, the source. That, that's why I bring that up. Um, if that were fake information, Square Enix and Crystal Dynamics would be completely tight-lipped. They wouldn't give a shit. They wouldn't say anything. But by coming out and be like, Patreon, you got to remove this episode. Um, this is incriminating evidence <laughs> or you know but you know this is this is this is material that these people shouldn't have their hands on we don't want this talked about by making a scene out of it by drawing attention to it by trying to take action all they're confirming is that yeah this shit leaked this is legit and so i bring that up as it relates to our conversation in this podcast because that gives me a pretty confident a pretty large amount of confidence in saying Everything we just learned about the next Tomb Raider game from that story is probably largely true. Um, Not that I didn't already trust Colin Moriarty or the Sacred Symbols team to uh, report on new groundbreaking news, but uh, there you have it. So anyway, let's talk about Tomb Raider. Let's talk about the game itself, because that's what we're really here for. I gotta say, on paper, I absolutely loathe this premise. Will I play the game? Absolutely. I thought the last three Tomb Raider games, especially... The first two of that trilogy, which were uh, developed properly by Crystal Dynamics, uh, IDOS Montreal did the third one. I thought those games were simply fantastic. And in fact, I have said time and time again, um, obviously, Uncharted, PlayStation's franchise Uncharted, is clearly largely inspired by Tomb Raider and Indiana Jones. Um, and then the newer Tomb Raider games went on to be largely inspired by Uncharted. So you see the back and forth. But I stand by my statement that, especially those first two Tomb Raider games, uh, the 2013 reboot and the 2015 follow-up Rise of the Tomb Raider, which was a timed Xbox uh, One exclusive, that game in particular, goddamn phenomenal. If we're talking about this third-person action... the, the fucking anthropological fucking explorer thing that... Indiana Jones and Laura Croft and Nathan Drake and all these guys are, you know, if we're talking about that genre, I think this, especially 2015's uh, Shadow of the Tomb or Rise of the Tomb Raider, I think are without a doubt the best incarnations of the genre there are. Now, I- I'll have to give credit where credits due. Naughty Dog with their work on uh, Uncharted, I think that is a better world in terms of its characters and storytelling. I think the the moment-to-moment cinematic nature of those games is 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 notably better and more impressive than Tomb Raider. Don't get me wrong. But in terms of being a very fun, exciting, and, and, and just um, engaging game, I think these more recent Tomb Raider games have actually been better than Uncharted. So, I don't know. I just say that to say, I'm a huge fan of these Tomb Raider games. I think they're really good. I think Crystal Dynamics has done a wonderful job reinventing Tomb Raider over this past decade for a new generation I really, really, really dislike this premise for um, for the next Tomb Raider game. Um, it, it sounds lame as hell. I, I I don't listen. I don't hate the idea of it's like fast forward. It's an older, more seasoned Lara Croft. She's let go of a lot of her her angst and her anxiety and her guilt and the things that held her back. And she's just lived her life and accepted who she is. And this is the life she's led for better and for worse. And blah 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 blah. It's like okay. That's kind of cool. Whatever. It seems a little played out these days to do the whole fast forward X amount of years. You know, fucking Gears of War's done it. Uh, God of War's done it. Star Wars did it. Fucking, I think, I think Ghostbusters just did it. I don't know. Everything's doing it. It's just like, how do we, how do we tell a story in a universe people love? It's like, I got it. Make the characters people love old. And it's especially weird when video games do it. Because, like, you get why they do it in Star Wars. It's like, you can't, you can't just de-age Mark. Uh, what's his name? Fucking Mark. Why am I blanking? Fucking Luke Skywalker. I don't know why I'm blanking on his goddamn last name right now. But you can't just like de-age Harrison Ford and just be like, look, guys, it's Indiana Jones. He's still he's still 32 years old. Don't you believe us? Like that makes sense. But in games when they do it, like in Gears of War 4, and uh, you know, and like what they're doing here with Tomb Raider, what it seems like it's like you don't have to age the character, guys. It's a video game. You can still make the character model look young. But I get it. They're, they're, I, I, My guess, based on what we know, is that I think Crystal Dynamics is looking for a narrative excuse to justify a four-player co-op version of Tomb Raider. That is my guess. They have all this experience under their belt now with Marvel's Avengers. Um they made these Tomb Raider games, and I think they maybe are ready to do something new and different, and so if they have to go back to Tomb Raider, I think they're trying to trying their hand at a different approach to it. And so that is my guess, as they're like, let's, let's take the last thing we did, and let's take the thing we did before that, and mesh them into one thing. They're like, we're going back to Tomb Raider, but now it's a four-player co-op game. And, and, and that's that is my guess as my assumption is one person's gonna play as old lorecroft one places person's gonna play as let's see the characters they named these new characters um fucking like i don't remember their names like ravi and tamala Dalla or something i don't fucking know but uh um, you know it's like whatever it'll be like a three to four player probably the same type of game that we've already got, but um, but now in a multiplayer centric kind of way, basically like I get, I guess like what we're seeing with Batman um, Arkham Knights in in a uh, in in a in a month or two here, in I think two months. So that that's my guess. I I just don't from a narrative perspective, it seems a little lame. It's like, oh yeah, we were so inspired by Lara Croft that we decided to become Tomb Raiders ourselves, and she's like, all right, team of Tomb Raiders, let's go. Let's go do this shit. So that's, I don't know. That just seems a little cheesy, a little cornball. But at the same time, I guess to play into my point about Tomb Raider's a better game, Uncharted's a better story. I guess maybe this ups that a little more because Tomb Raider was never the better story. So I guess why should I start caring now if I don't like what they're doing narratively with the game? Nonetheless, we already knew they were making another Tomb Raider game. It just seems like what we're getting is maybe a bigger deviation from what we have more recently had. And, And one last thing to say, it it, it, judge, it looks like judging by this this information, this reporting, that there is an effort to try and tie the different generations and versions of Tomb Raider of Lara Croft all together. And so I don't I don't know this. I, I have experience with the classic Tomb Raider games. My older siblings played the fuck out of those on Dreamcast and PlayStation 1 back in the day. I, I watched a lot of it. I played a little bit of it as a kid. I really fell off during like the PS2 era, PS2, PS3 era of Tomb Raider. But um, I, I would really say that my Tomb Raider is this more recent version of Tomb Raider. But that being said, with that lack of experience uh, under under up my sleeves, I thought that this was like a complete reboot of Tomb Raider, this like 2013, 2015, 2018 version of these Tomb Raider Rise and Shadow of the Tomb Raider games. Are we to believe that now the Tomb Raider games from like the PS1 and the PS2 and all that, are we to believe that those are all part of the same Tomb Raider universe? I guess these more recent games are like the prequels and then the dreamcast games are like the original trilogy and then the ps2 games are like the sequels i i don't know how this works are we really trying to tie all these into one and that's why we're fast-forwarding doing old lorecraft i i don't know again narratively i just think that's a little silly but i guess ultimately it doesn't really matter nonetheless but um i don't know it'll be weird uh, to see how they play this out especially cuz when they try to do a cast of characters surrounding Blora Croft in these more recent Tomb Raider games, they always fell flat. Especially in that first game, like none of the characters were really that interesting. You kind of cared about Jonah, and then in the second one in Rise of the Tomb Raider, Jonah plays a lot more of a prominent role, and you're like, okay, I'm kind of on board with him. He's cool, but then you really don't give a shit about anyone else. And then with the the more recent game, it's it was kind of more of a solo experience, and it was just like, still like it's like ah, I don't know. We I, I don't the side characters. They don't they don't really do much. So it will be interesting to see if they can make us give a shit about all these other characters around Laura Croft uh, when it's like she's usually a compelling character but not so much her friends but then again I, I really don't even know that Laura Croft is a compelling character I feel like that was kind of the issue with the most recent one that um, Shadow of the Tomb Raider is that from a gameplay perspective it was a very fun game but from a narrative perspective this whole like Laura's reckoning with like uh, all, all the you know how her meddling and her her adventures are kind of like messing with history and culture and she's oftentimes causing more trouble than she is preserving history or saving saving um saving artifacts and shit like that and it's like kind of a cool premise but at the end of the day it's like Laura kind of seemed like a jerk and you didn't really care about anyone so it's like I feel like may- maybe the thing with Laura Croft is it's like we care about her because she's such a important gaming icon but that has a lot more to do with the fact that her game was revolutionary for the time it is from one of the more formative eras of gaming um, in less to do with the fact that she's a really important, compelling character. Does that make sense? You know, it's not like Master Chief where it's like, no, 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 Master Chief is like a comparing, a compelling and lovable character, not just because he represents the game that made Xbox successful. Like, there's a difference. Uh, I don't know. But I'll, I'll get off my, my uh, tirade on Tomb Raider now. We'll, we'll move on. But I don't know. I find that to be quite an interesting story. Next up, uh, unfortunately for a lot of you guys, because I, I, I've noticed this audience... Uh, despite the fact that Call of Duty is popular with this with Xbox gamers and despite the fact that I enjoy Call of Duty a lot, it looks like I have attracted the attention of a lot of Call of Duty haters or maybe people who are just really exhausted from Call of Duty. I apologize to you guys. Unfortunately, it's in the news in full force this week, so we got to talk about some more Call of Duty. Um, but it's not all directly related to the franchise. Some of it is more generally aimed at Activision. But anyway, let's get into it. A couple, couple of stories will tie into one. Activision have claimed, and this is from VGC that we're relaying, Activision's claimed that Call of Duty will receive new premium content in 2023. In a statement during its Q2 2022 earnings report, Activision stated that across the Call of Duty ecosystem, the team was well positioned to support these launches with substantial live operations while also continuing development of new premium content planned for the next year and beyond. Activision's reportedly skipping next year's mainline Call of Duty game, which has been reported for a while now, thus making the first Time in nearly 20 years, it skipped an annual release. However, this doesn't preclude Am- uh, Amazon, Activision from releasing a smaller project. This week's statement could refer to paid DLC, something that was once a staple for the franchise but has lessened in recent years, or a spin off game, such as the long rumored standalone Call of Duty Zombies game. Pause, pause, pause. Put your face in a pillow. Scream loudly, scream louder. Okay, deep breath back to the story the next game in the mainline series is expected in 2024 and it is likely the next black ops game which as a side note has been rumored to be something of a reboot for black ops a la what modern warfare 2019 did to the modern warfare uh franchise anyway in addition to that activision also reported that monthly active users have dropped below 100 million users for the first time in almost three years during the call of duty publishers second quarter ending in june 30th the monthly active users totaled 94 million down from 100 million in the first quarter. Its monthly active users have been above 100 million since the fourth quarter of 2019 when Modern Warfare 2019 were released. That was also during the release of Call of Duty Mobile where it peaked at 150 million users during the first quarter of 2021. Activision said on Monday that its second quarter revenue of operating income declined year over year, reflecting lower engagement with the Call of Duty franchise, but grew versus the first quarter. Engagement can be expected to rise during the company's fourth quarter when they release the next main Call of Duty game. In fact, they will be releasing two games. Activision confirmed that Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 will release on October 28th, as well as Call of Duty Warzone 2.0 will launch as an extension of Modern Warfare uh, later this year. Woo! You think that's a lot of Call of Duty, wait till the next ne- the next story, but we'll, we'll stop for a second, okay? While this doesn't outright confirm the rumors and reporting that Activision will be skipping 2023 and taking a year off releasing Call of Duty, I think this lends a lot more credibility to the already credible reporting that we've been getting. I mean, obviously, some of this probably has to do with a lot of Warzone stuff. In-game events, special add-ons, crap for Warzone. But it also sounds like they're possibly saying, like, hey, we could have some substantial DLC and add-on stuff for Modern Warfare 2. That's how I'm reading this. I think there's a lot of fuck um, Vanguard energy coming from Activision, and, it, and that's clearly been the case since, since, you know, since that game was announced. Honestly, they've been treating it that way basically the game's entire lifespan, which is somewhat unfortunate because I, I think Vanguard's actually a better game than it gets credit for. But anyway, beside the point, Clearly, Vanguard failed to meet the mark. We we've known since the beginning. It has sold incredibly well, better than 99% of video games ever will sell. But by Call of Duty standards, it sold a little soft. Um, people were not hyped for it leading up to it. They were not hyped when it came out. And when and and it's kind of hindsight, retrospect, um, uh, kind of attitude, and 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 uh, the air around it has been, yeah, no one wanted Vanguard. No one cares about Vanguard. And so it's been a little bit of a slower year for Call of Duty. Not only that, but they're ramping up to move away from Warzone and move into Warzone 2.0, which is probably also getting a couple of people to be like, oh, okay, let's kind of sunset on Warzone. So, in terms of all that big offering, it's not been a really exciting year for Call of Duty, except for the fact that they're about to replace one of the weakest years for Call of Duty ever. With what I think will no doubt be one of the strongest years for Call of Duty ever, because Modern Warfare 2 is going to be absolutely massive. And I think Warzone 2.0 will be massive as well. So, my guess, my prediction for this is that there is potential for like added DLC. I don't know. When I say DLC, I wanna say like more campaign, more story content for Modern Warfare 2. I wanna say that. But we know that when it comes to Call of Duty, campaign content is the lowest ranking content in terms of engagement people like multiplayer they like warzone they like zombies they like all that stuff infinitely more an infinite warfare amount more and then the actual campaign that comes with the game so i why i want to say oh man maybe they're gonna make like additional campaign add-ons for modern warfare 2 maybe it's gonna have like a bigger story i want to believe that i think that'd be so cool but i don't think that's what it's gonna be i think they're gonna maybe try i don't know man it's hard to say because in a world where crossplay is everything, in a world where games as a service is everything, you can't release map packs anymore. So there's no chance in hell what the what they mean by extensive paid content is going to be. Oh yeah, guys, we got a new map pack. It's going to come up with like a new mode and four new maps. Like buy it for $15, 20 bucks. You can't do that because you just splinter your player base, and that's worse in the long run because you're not trying to sell map packs now. You're trying to sell cosmetics and things like that. So it I, maybe I'm just not thinking creatively enough, but I guess it kind of has to be. Campaign DLC, I don't really know what else it could be unless they're really, really bragging about some new fucking anime titty 420 blaze it camo skins they got coming to Modern Warfare 2 later this year and into 2023. I I really don't know what else it could be. Um, I definitely don't think they're investing any kind of money whatsoever into Vanguard. Vanguard. I think, I think they're happy and excited to get away from that game as soon as, as soon as Modern Warfare 2 comes out. Vanguard is done. No more support. Fuck that game, I think, is the attitude. But the last thing that leaves on the table would be the thing I don't want to admit because it's the thing that would get my hopes up and I don't want to get my hopes up for no reason at all, which is, of course, as the story even mentions, the long-rumored, much-desired, probably never-coming Call of Duty Zombies game. Listen! Just fucking listen, let me have this moment guys, we don't want a standalone game that's like, oh look, it's like 10 zombies maps, they're all brand new and it's on a disc, buy it. No, what we want is a fucking separate release, free to download platform that is zombies only. Kinda like how you don't have to buy Call of Duty, you can just download Warzone as a separate product for free, and then play Warzone to your little heart's content because you're a fucking battle royale MLG awesome dude, bro. And you gotta fucking snipe guys from 400,000 yards across the map because you're just so goddamn awesome. You have a fucking visual eye correction, uh, contact subscription of negative 6.25. We get it. Just because that's how that works, doesn't or sorry, because that's how that works has always lent this kind of obvious fucking just thing on the table where us Zombies fans have been like, hmm, sure we'd be pretty good if Zombies could get something like this, here's how you do it, it's pretty fucking brain-dead obvious, Activision, and we would gobble it up. It's called Call of Duty Zombies, it's not tied to Black Ops, it's not tied to Cold War, it's not tied to fucking Modern Warfare, or anything, it's just called Call of Duty Zombies, you release it on PC, PlayStation, and Xbox, you download it for free, okay, It comes with one map. It is a free download. It comes with one map. It is a super awesome, badass, brand new map, and it is free to play just like Warzone. People download it because it's free. People play it because it's fucking awesome, and it gets the whole world hooked on zombies again. Awesome. And then you can monetize it by being like, additional maps will continue to be released, but you will have to pay for them. And now you have a shell, a multiplayer service shell for zombies, and you can port in all the many, many, many years of great zombies maps that everyone has come to love from all the Black Ops games and World at War and even some of the Infinity War games. And then you can create all these new fucking maps for this platform and port them into here. The problem is, the obvious problem is, why it sounds great on paper, because it's great for Zombies fans, and you can sell a lot of maps, and you can probably monetize and sell cosmetics and other things, great. I think the long-standing fear from Activision is, if we take Zombies and we pull it away from the Black Ops franchise, and we don't make it a known default feature of Black Ops, does that decrease and lessen the value of Black Ops games? Does that make people less inclined to buy it? But I feel like that's kind of a bullshit argument, right? Because Modern Warfare doesn't have zombies. The only time they ever did zombies was when they did Zombies in Spaceland for uh, Infinite Warfare, which was one of the lesser-received inf- uh, in- Infinity Ward developed Call of Duty games. And hey, that had zombies, and people actually liked that game Zombies, so doesn't prove anything. And so the thing is, you look at Modern Warfare and the most successful Modern Warfare games were the original three and then the most recent one in, from 2019. All four of those games don't have zombies. In fact, and I know this might rub some of you Call of Duty fans the wrong way because I know people really love Spec Ops. Generally, Call of Duty games always had these fucking terrible Spec Ops modes that were not fun. They were these two-player little mission-operative games, and they're sometimes fun to go through one time, but then you're kind of like, okay, I'm done. I want to go back to multiplayer, Right. It's not a sufficient substitute for zombies. It never has been, it never was. Yet, the Modern Warfare games are some of the best Call of Duty games ever in terms of critical reception, in terms of player base, in terms of sales, in terms of everything. So I just don't see why you can't take the zombies team, splinter them off, and when you release a new Black Ops game, it can have a campaign, it can have a multiplayer suite, but zombies stay separate on its own platform, just like Warzone does. You know, you took you took Blackout, which was Battle Royale, out of Black Ops 4, and said, fuck you. You're not baked into the game anymore. It's called Warzone. It's significantly worse than Blackout, and it's kept separate as a free-to-play offering. I just don't understand why they don't do that with zombies. And that's where my brain goes, is like that's the obvious great thing they could do. I don't wanna I don't wanna talk about it anymore because I feel like I'm getting my hopes up for nothing, but this is how you, and this is the problem, is because everyone wants these classic Zombies games to be brought forward, you know, it's one of those things, it's like, it, I, I'm trying to think of like what the perfect example of it would be, it's like, um, it's just like backwards compatibility on Xbox, right, like, like Halo, like how much would it fucking suck if you couldn't play Halo 2 on your Xbox Series X, but thankfully, Xbox is super obsessed with making sure they preserve their games and make them accessible for new hardware. And so the Master Chief Collection is an excellent way to easily access these classic Halo games, no matter whether you're playing them for the millionth time or the first time in your life. A lot of us zombies fans feel this way about Call of Duty Zombies, we wanna preserve these older maps that are still just as fun today as they were 10 years ago. If you had a platform, I mean, I know I, w- I would sure buy the Black Ops 1 and Black Ops 2 maps on a standalone Black Ops Zombies free-to-play product for the millionth time. I would gladly pay for that shit for the millionth time if I could get it in this one platform that is the Zombies platform that moves forward across generations and through platforms, and it's a one-stop shop. All right, I'll get off my horse on that. I didn't think I had that much to say. But now the last, the the, the next story, and this is actually the last major story we have, really. The last two are just wrap-ups. Is I, I guess it's about Call of Duty, but it's more about as sony kind of digging at xbox and activision a little bit and i i I argued a little bit with myself about even putting the story in the news because it's kind of much to do about nothing it's kind of like a well duh but it's a fun one so let's go in vgc realized that sony believes call of duty could inspire users to switch to Xbox from PlayStation following Microsoft's proposed acquisition of Activision Blizzard. That's according to the company's official response to question from the or sorry response to questions from Brazil's regulatory board first spotted by Reset Era, which, like many regions, is currently studying the proposed deal for approval. Along with other companies like Ubisoft, Amazon, Google, etc., Sony's response, uh, to several, Sony's responded to several questions about the proposed acquisition, and these responses have been published by the full or in full by the Brazilian government because Brazil leaks a lot of shit. I don't know. Sony's response, transcribed by VGC, thank you Brazil, by the way, mostly outlines the current state of the AAA game development for the Brazilian regulator. However, large portions highlighted the importance of the PlayStation firm, uh, a PlayStation, sorry, of the PlayStation firm. Puts in Call of Duty, a franchise which it claims influences users' console choice. Interesting, put up in that. In the questionnaire, answers Sony calls Call of Duty an essential game, a blockbuster and triple A type game that has no rival. I mean, yeah. yes. According to the 2019 study, the importance of Call of Duty to entertainment in general is indescribable, the company said. The brand was the only video game IP to break into the top 10 of all-time entertainment brands among fans, joining powerhouses like Star Wars, Game of Thrones, Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings. Quote, Call of Duty is so popular it influences users' choices of consoles. Its community is of loyal users is entrenched even that is so entrenched even that if a competitor had the budget to develop a similar product, it would not be able to rival it. Sony went on to explain how the huge resources Activision puts behind Call of Duty are at the core, re- are the core reason why it believes the FPS series is unlikely to be rivaled by a competitor. Each Call of Duty quote, "...each Call of Duty um, annually releases takes around three to five years to make." The Activision uh, release, uh, sorry, as Activision releases one Call of Duty game per year, this equates to an annual investment of hundreds of millions of dollars. They explained, approximately 1,200 people work on each version of another, in another 1,500 are involved in publishing and distributing. Thus, Call of Duty alone has more developers than most game companies employ across the entire development portfolio, including AAA teams. Also, giving plans to recruit 2,000 additional developers by 2021, Activision probably expects Call of Duty to become even more successful in the future. No other developer can devote the same level of resources and expertise in game development. Even if they could do that, Call of Duty is overly entrenched, so that no rival, no matter how rev- rev- sorry, no matter revelant they are, can catch up. Sony went on to note that Call of Duty has been a top-selling game for almost every year with the past decade, for its genre is overwhelmingly the best-selling game whatever they go on and on and on they talk about the 24 million followers on Facebook that they have and all this stuff and they really lay into talking about how it's so important even when they have weak years like last year with Vanguard um, they're still wide, re, li, widely the best-selling game of all of the year and so even a bad year puts them among the very top of the list so anyway they go on and on talking about all this I don't think we need to say much more But I'll I'll say this, is Sony right that, you know, Call of Duty being owned by Xbox, Activision being owned by Microsoft and Xbox, could that potentially influence the very powerful Call of Duty user brand, user base to maybe be swayed on Team Xbox versus PlayStation? Uh, Short answer, yes. Long answer, yes. Um, And the reason we know this is true is because if you remember back in the Xbox 360 days, Xbox had a marketing partnership with Activision. They were they were the marketing um, they were the, the platform for marketing Call of Duty too. That's why Call of Duty was always on E3 stages at Xbox. And remember everyone made fun of Xbox for so many years because it's just Gears of War, Halo, and Call of Duty. Call of Duty, Call of Duty, Call of Duty, shooting, shooting, shooting. Sports, Call of Duty. Oh my god, Xbox is so dumb. All they have are shooters. All they do is appeal to the male fantasy of just shooting people with guns. Fast forward to the PlayStation 4. PlayStation's doing way better than Xbox. That contract is up for renewal. Activision gets in bed with PlayStation to be the official marketing partner of Call of Duty. And what does PlayStation do? Well, they do literally exactly what Xbox did. They're like, ha ha ha, shit comes to our platform first, not yours. Uh, Call of Duty shows up at our E3 stage, not yours. Um, Call of Duty commercials have a PlayStation logo at the end, not an Xbox logo at the end. And why did Sony pay so much fucking money to have this marketing partnership? Well, it's quite simple. Um, because Sony believes that um, ex- that Call of Duty being associated with a specific brand might have implications for its users as to which platform is superior or which platform they need to be playing on. So, no shit Sony believes this. They so eagerly stole this marketing hype or not stole, but, you know, worked hard to earn this marketing deal from Xbox um, with Activision. And so, you know, uh, uh, of course, as we all know, PlayStation never got any shit for being like, Call of Duty, Call of Duty, Call of Duty, um, even though they literally did the exact same marketing ploy, possibly a worse marketing ploy with Call of Duty, because they would hold certain game modes captive for a full 12-month year, um, whereas on the 360 days, Xbox would get map packs for like a month in advance compared to PlayStation users. But anyway, you can tell I'm a little salty about that. I don't know why I, that I, I'm not generally a fanboy. I, I, I don't generally care. I, I like PlayStation quite a bit. <laughs> I like Xbox. I like Call of Duty, whatever. But for some reason, that, that's one that's always rubbed me the wrong way because I'm like, dude, I was an Xbox fan for so many years. And I did endure so many comments about Doritos and Mountain Dew and Call of Duty. And then, fucking fast forward to 2014, and PlayStation 4 was all Call of Duty and Mountain Dew and Doritos, and everyone's like, yeah, so? I'm like, fuck you, I feel like I'm going insane, but anyway, that's a real thing that happened, and I'm still not over, I'm still hurt. But anyway, I mean, this is kind of like much to do about nothing, because it's like, no shit PlayStation feels this way, they they stand to earn nothing in this deal, Right? We know that Call of Duty is going to continue to be published on PlayStation. It's going to continue to be available on PlayStation. Xbox knows they would be painted as the evil hell spawns if they had the the balls to be like, we bought Activision, we're removing Call of Duty from the PlayStation community. Fuck you. Aren't we awesome Xbox gamers? Didn't we, didn't we get awesome exclusive titles for Xbox? You don't look like the good guy in any stretch of the imagination. We already know that's not what's happening. PlayStation's fine in terms of keeping Call of Duty, but... No doubt, when this marketing partnership, whatever it is Sony has with Activision, when that deal comes to an end, it will not be renewed. It will not be re-upped. Call of Duty will absolutely be marketed once more as an Xbox product, and it will absolutely have a a strong, strong Xbox association, especially as time goes on and more and more people just kind of become accustomed to the understanding that the Call of Duty guys are owned by the green Xbox console guys. Just like how at one point it was like, wait, 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 Disney bought, wait, what? Disney bought Marvel and Star Wars? What the fuck? And nowadays, you know, no one thinks twice about the fact that yes, Black Panther and Captain America and, uh, and Luke Skywalker are undoubtedly on the same fucking playing field as Mickey Mouse and, and Genie from Aladdin. This This makes Perfect sense. Um, so you know, with time and in a lot of marketing and indoctrination, um, we will all get used to this. And PlayStation is well aware of that, and they don't like the idea that yeah, at some point people are going to be like, oh yeah, Call of Duty, I associate that with Xbox, and it might lead to Call of Duty type players. You know, those kinds of people that just play Call of Duty or just play Madden or whatever. Yeah, those kinds of people might be more inclined to buy an Xbox. Yeah, no shit, dude. They're going to look at an Xbox and not only are they going to have that marketing deal, but they're also going to be like, "Hmm, I only play Call of Duty and Call of Duty's always included in Game Pass. I should just subscribe to Game Pass and buy an Xbox." So, yeah, I mean, that's that's the idea. And so Sony's not wrong to be <clears throat> to be, you know, talking about this and to have their qualms about it, but like bro this is you would do the same if you could you literally tried in a different way with that marketing deal for for many years so i mean yeah it, it's kind of like crying wolf in a way i i guess maybe not crying wolf is the right way to put it but it's to it's taste of your own medicine in a way I don't, I don't know what what's the expression we could use to aptly encapsulate what that is but guys that's that's it for all the big news we do have these two wrap-up stories um and it's just about game pass and games of gold so it's a new month. It's August, if I didn't say so already. Happy August, guys. Um, but Games of Gold for the month of August, we have them here. We have four new titles. And yes, as per usual, they're not exciting games. Remember, we're about we're going to lose Xbox 360 games soon. But for now, we still have some. The four titles for the entire month of August, you can get Coleco um, all of August. From August 16th to September 15th, you can get Scourge Bringer. This is now two games. I have no idea what the fuck they are. Although Coleco is apparently like some some cat cafe simulator game, which I might have to give a try. To, uh, I might have to give that a go. Um, one game we are all familiar with, undoubtedly probably the best value of, of the month is available from August 1st to 15th. It's saints row two, which I think that and saints row three are probably largely considered the best saints row games. Um, obviously this is a, a marketing ploy for the new saints row game. That's about to come out in I think a week or two. And then lastly, from August 16th to the 31st Monaco, what's, what's yours is mine will be available. So that classic little Xbox game everyone loves. And then the final wrap-up story is a a Game Pass update. Xbox Wire relays that the following games are coming to Game Pass and leaving Game Pass. So available right now, Ghost Recon Wildlands is available on cloud console and PC through Game Pass. Is, I think that's the most recent one, or that's the one before the most recent one, I forget. Additionally, coming soon, Shenzhen IO It's coming to PC on August 4th, so by the time you're listening to it, it's already out. Also out as the time you're listening to this, and I I actually can't wait to play this game, I'm, I gotta get into that this weekend. Turbo Golf Racing comes to Cloud Console PC um, on August 4th, it's a Day 1 Game Pass title. This game is awesome, it's basically like Rocket League, but golf instead of soccer, and I have every intent of giving this game a go, so I'm very excited for that. If you can just, if this game is as fun as I think it's going to be, and you can just take the music from Rocket League and put it into this game, oof, I'm all, I'm all for this game. All right. On August 9th, Two Point Campus will come to Cloud Console and PC. That is another available day one Game Pass game. I gotta give those a try. I know people really like, like Two Point Hospital and all that or whatever it's called, the, the older ones. I know those games are well-liked. I'm, I'm vaguely interested in maybe giving them a, an hour or two of my life to see what they're all about. Cooking Simulator comes out on Cloud Console and PC August 11th. Also on August 11th, we're getting Expeditions Rome on PC only. And also on August 11th, PC only, we're getting Offworld Trading Companies, an idea at Xbox game. But the Lord taketh and the Lord giveth, so what we're losing on August 15th are the following games, so make sure you download them if you want to give them a go before they're gone. Boyfriend Dungeon, cloud console and PC, we played that on stream one time, it's, uh, it's fun-ish. Curse of the Dead Gods, cloud console and PC, bye. Library of Rina, cloud console and PC. Starmancer, game preview PC, bye. And Train Sim World 2, Cloud Console and PC. I think there's a new one called, like, Garden, Sim- Garden, Garden Simulator. And there's a cooking simulator, so you can play those instead. But, guys, that is going to do it for all of our news this week. We are wrapped up with that. Real quick, we'll get into our important enough news stories, important enough to make the podcast now important enough for one our own discussion. We got, like, four or five of them real quick, so here we go. VGC reports that Midnight Society, the developer founded by streamer guy Dr. Disrespect, uh, has debuted the first look at the new first person shooter, uh, Dead Drop which he is uh, heavily involved in the development of. Um, apparently, they got some really interesting core talent working on that game. Uh, but I don't give a shit about it because it's a PvP multiplayer game with NFTs. So that game can suck a bag of... What's something that is appropriate to say? Cox. All right. Next up, VGC reports Annapurna Interactive's critically acclaimed space exploration game Outer Wilds. It's coming to Xbox Series X. Yes, it's already on Xbox Series, or Xbox One. Well, on September 15th, it will come as a free upgrade, It'll include enhanced enhancements like 60 FPS visuals, and uh, all that on uh, the Series X and S. Next up, Assassin's Creed Valhalla news. Ubisoft has released a free game mode for Assassin's Creed Valhalla titled The Forgotten Saga. The DLC was announced during Assassin's Creed's 15th anniversary live stream in June when Jose Ariza, producer of Valhalla's extended experience, called the game or called the project the team's most ambitious game mode yet. And lastly, kind of Xbox related, Blizzard and Chinese gaming giant NetEase have reportedly canceled an unannounced World of Warcraft mobile game following a financial dispute between the two. According to Bloomberg, the game was going to be a massive multiplayer online role playing title set in the same universe as WoW. Codename Neptune. Oh hey, hey cat. Codename It was reportedly planned as a spin off of Blizzard's long-running PC title set in a different time period. It's claimed that the game was in the works for three years, with a team of over 100 NetEase developers attached to the project prior to its cancellation. There's a whole lot of game there to be leaked and learned about. It's uh, unfortunate we're not getting it, I, I suppose, but uh, that is that is what it is. But guys, that is it for all of our podcasts this week, with the exception of the comments. I thought I forgot the comments. No, I didn't forget the comments you you permission to call you adult you you dolts didn't forget the comments at all but guys you know how it works if you want to leave a comment you head on over to youtube.com you click on the latest episode of the podcast but to click on the latest episode of the podcast you need to know the podcast name it is Xbox on podcast do not type in Jesse DeRosa we've already established there's another man a more handsome hunky looking man who pops up if you look up Jesse DeRosa that man is not me so click on Xbox on podcast that's me And leave a comment on the latest episode. You can say something nice. Like, Jesse, when you play Black Ops Cold War, I know you're just enjoying yourself. So please don't feel pressure to try and play certain games just to keep up with the conversation. Just play what you're feeling and enjoy gaming after all. That's why we're all here to begin with. Is because we just love gaming. Or you can say something totally different. Like, Jesse, you are dumb. Your penis is dumb. The reason why you get followed on TikTok by so many bot accounts is because you yourself are a bot. Also, roses are red, violets are blue. If you were... If you weren't, if you were an Xbox, if you were an Xbox, I'd, I'd, I'd punch you. Thanks for the poem. You didn't write that in, but here's a comment. Mister Mal wrote in nine hours ago. Oh my god, I'm reading directly from my app because I forgot to screenshot these uh, comments earlier. I apologize. All right, Mister Jesse, I'll cave in and download. Nobody saves the world, especially because it's a Series XS enhanced game. Also, the game downloaded faster than I could type this comment. Well, yeah, it's a small, small file size. I assume you're joking about the Xbox Series X and S enhanced thing because we always joke about how, like, oh, your Xbox Series X and S S enhancing of what? A fucking 16-bit game? What does that even mean? I think generally that just means quick resume, but, yeah, I know. Dude, let me know how it goes. I I hope you like it. Temple Knight writes in. Everyone's favorite knight, the Temple Knight. He says, don't forget to check out the AIAS Games Makers Notebook podcast this week. They interviewed Joseph Stane head of Creative at 343. It's a pretty cool interview. Oops, I actually needed to listen to that. I, I'm subscribed to that podcast, but I almost never listen to it. Thanks for the heads up. I actually will definitely have to give that one a go. Uh, you also said, so I tried some good old Mountain Dew Baja Mango Gem today. Isn't that the one that you ha- – wait, really? I think you will find it to your liking because it retains the flavor of Mountain Dew base while slapping a bunch of mango – flavor all over it give it a shot and tell us what you think oh, oh no that's the, that's the new mango one yeah yeah that's the one they did like the baja flash and baja punch last year and then this year they brought them back and kind of reworked them as like mango gem and something else um i tried one of them i forget which one my girlfriend picked up a bottle while she was at the grocery store and i was like eh it's whatever it is it is good you're right it's just at this point it's like even if the flavor is good it's like it, there's just too much i can't keep up with it because i'm I'm trying to be good to my body. I'm trying to not drink soda every day. And so Mountain Dew is like, oh, I I noticed you don't buy soda every week like you would if you were a kid. Um, Maybe what we'll do is just release a new flavor every week, so you have to try soda every week. It's like, I I can't make that commitment. So I I, I chose not to let these two get in the way. I I didn't even buy them or add them to my collection. Uh, Right now what I'm doing, and now that's August, we're pretty close, I'm actually waiting for... um, Mountain Dew Voodoo, the Halloween flavor. Uh, The fourth version of that soda should be out in the next week or two, and I'm really looking forward to getting into that. Hopefully it's good. The first two years they did it, it was excellent. The third year they did it, it was complete dog shit. This year I'm hoping it's good. They also have a zero-sugar variant of it, so I'm looking forward to that. All right, OG Man writes in and says, Jesse, I ate five G's of mushrooms tonight and hopped on to play Xbox. Realized what day it was, only to go onto Twitter and see you were not streaming. I understand. Take some time. No hard feelings. Thank you. Uh, So anyways, I was tripping really hard playing Mass Effect 3, trying to finish the Legendary Collection. Then, before I went to bed, I settled on watching Band of Brothers on HBO. Just wanted to know your thoughts on these two IP. Mass Effect have seriously made me rethink my love of Halo as as the Ultimate Universe, and Band of Brothers is a 10-piece cinematography masterpiece I watched once a year, at least, and never misses. Anyways, hope your days off treat you and your family right, man. We will be waiting for you to come back. OG man, I appreciate the kind words. I appreciate the comment, entertaining, entertaining comment. Uh, hope you are well, also. And uh, I gotta be honest, man, admission time. I've heard of Band of Brothers. I did not know what it was. I didn't know if Band of Brothers was quite literally a band. Did not know if it was a TV show or a movie. It, all honestly, I genuinely, I genuinely thought it was a, a, a movie. Um, so now I know it's a is a ten part series. What is that's on HBO? I don't have HBO anymore. I got rid of it. Um, I'll get it back soon, but. I don't know, man, um, I, I, I'm i not familiar with Band of Brothers, and I'm not familiar with Mass Effect, because uh, for those who might recall, uh, last year I tried to play Mass Effect 1 for the first time, was immediately intrigued by the universe and the characters, but then immediately got turned off by the terribly aged gameplay. Um, now, I, didn't, I haven't played Mass Effect since the collection came out, so I need to go back and give it another try now that I can play it in a more modernly tweaked way. But I, I can't really speak to either of these properties because I'm not familiar with them enough. However, I will say I know that Mass Effect fans are a very f- a passionate bunch who really think that Mass Effect is one of the ultimate sci-fi storytelling experiences. And I don't, I don't, disre- I don't, I don't necessarily think that, you know, I mean, again, not having experienced it, I, I'm sure they're not wrong. In fact, I don't even think Halo necessarily is one of the great sci-fi stories of all time. It's not that, it's it's what I love about it is, especially with the Bungie games, it's that they, those games had epic moments, they had really memorable set pieces and moments, and it was obviously the gameplay itself really helps make you give a shit about the world anyway, because the gameplay is so absolutely phenomenal that it enhances the the, this, the, the story anyway, and plus the characters are cool, like who doesn't think Master Chief and the Arbiter and the fucking Covenant are awesome? Um and so, like, these things add to Halo and make you think the story is greater than it is. But that's why I love 343 so much, is because I genuinely think what 343 were doing with Halo, beginning with 4 and 5, was making Halo a more legitimate story. They were making the storytelling more the focal point of of the franchise, which I really, really loved. And I know Halo, you know, we don't have to get into it, of course, because we've done it a million times. Halo fans got really salty when they found out that people were going to use their creative energy to make unique storytelling. And the second they found out it wasn't just Bungie regurgitating the same thing that they were comfortable and familiar with, they got really upset. And so, you know, 343 back backstepped a bunch and we end up with Halo Infinite. We, we know how the story goes. But um, I, I don't know. I, th- I think there was a time there where Halo had the potential to be Really excellent sci-fi storytelling, and I don't mean like this is genuinely thought-provoking, like commentary on the human condition. It's, but it was very fun sci-fi storytelling that would keep you engaged and invested in the universe. A universe. I mean, the be- the best sci-fi storytelling is usually commentary on like society or political or political commentary or like you know just religion and shit like that. It's, it's sci-fi at its best is not about like is not generally just as dumbed down as like. Uh, humans versus aliens guns pew pew lasers swords it's you know it's so i i am willing to concede that halo by no means is probably the the ultimate universe but it is a universe i feel a massive affinity for and that and that is why i regard it as such not because i think it is objectively superior but because i think on a personal level it resonates with me that much and so for you to have that relationship with mass effect or band of brothers that's awesome i think that's great Um, But for me, Halo is just one of those things. I I don't know. Generally speaking, I think the the best sci-fi probably isn't really found usually in games. Um, Experiencing immersion in sci-fi is probably best done in games. But experiencing incredible, thought-provoking storytelling and insane world building, uh, just from a a narrative perspective, yeah, it's probably best explored in novels more than anything. But uh, anyway, I, I digress. Thanks for the comment. Cronky writes in, we got to pick one of these because he's got a couple of them. Cronky says, I think the real question with all the Ubisoft stuff going on is whether or not this is good news or bad. Are they refocusing to make better quality products or are they completely on fire, falling apart at the seams? Thoughts? No, I think this is actually pretty aptly put. This is actually pretty accurate. I, I would agree. All the cancellations of these games, all the things being shifted around, delayed, reworked, can- remodified. You're right. Is it that that is the way to frame it? Is this either Ubisoft saying, Hey, we made a bunch of bad decisions a year or two ago with greenlining some of these projects? We need to go back to the drawing board and refigure out our, our plan, which would be a good thing. Or is it them being like, Oh shit, all these projects we believed in are just not panning out and now we're kind of in trouble. What do we do? I, I agree with that sentiment completely. But the problem is. I mean, this. I guess you you play things for long term, obviously, but here we are in the short term looking at it saying, this looks fucking bad. We don't have yet another Assassin's Creed. Um, Avatar just got delayed. They just canceled that VR Splinter Cell Project Uh, fucking Beyond Good and Evil 2 was vaporware from the moment it was announced. Just all this shit. Skull and Bones is garbage looking, but I mean, we could be, who knows, maybe we're wrong they're in a rough spot and right now from the consumer's perspective it should just be about like hey well what does this mean to me today and what it means right now is if you're a ubisoft fan or if you're someone who genu- generally enjoys the various franchises ubisoft offers you're not eating good at all in fact you're just not eating you just got that mario rabbits game if you're a switch player and that's about it and so yeah I-, I really don't know what to add to this other than i think your framing is completely apt and uh yeah, I mean, good comment, honestly. Uh, oh, also, you had you had some beef with uh, my Black Panther comment where I was talking about I don't like the idea of Black Panther being open world like Shadow of Mordor. I prefer it to be more linear like Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. To which you said, gotta step it up. Make something more like Jedi Fallen Order and less like Shadow of War. Are you nuts? Shadow of War is infinitely better than Jedi Fallen Order. Well, that's just an opinion, of course, but... I'm not saying make it like Jedi Fallen Order in terms of make a Black Panther game that feels like a Souls game. I don't want that. I don't want that at all. What I mean is I'm comparing it to other EA single-player recent AAA games. And I'm saying make it more like Jedi Fallen Order in the vein of it is linear and it is narrative-driven heavily and is pretty scripted. That's what I mean. I want a Black Panther game like that, not a Black Panther game where it's like, the world is your oyster, Black Panther. Please use your claws to cr- climb on walls and run out of mana and energy like Link does in Breath of, uh, Breath of the Wild. That's what I'm saying is I don't want that to happen. So I'm not saying exactly Jedi Fallen Order versus Shadow of War. I'm saying linear first, for, uh, for, sorry, linear single-player narrative-focused game versus uh, general open-world game with narrative direction but not as focused. That's more what I meant, but I understand the confusion. All right, can we talk about – can we can we circle back to our milk conversation? I probably should have brought this up during the, what I've been eating, but I fucked up. Jay wrote in, last week we talked about it. Jay, who is an Australian listener, was drinking spearmint milk, and this just sent me down a spiral of wh- where do we draw the line with what you can flavor milk to taste like, you know? Like, is can we do Merlot-flavored milk, you know? Can we do – Chef Boyardee canned meatballs and SpaghettiOs flavored milk. Can we do banana bread and flavored milk? That sounds phenomenal. Actually, I don't even know why that was an example because that'd be great. And and that was really the crux of it. And I I gotta be honest, I've come around a lot, Jay. The more I thought about it, the more I think spearmint milk might be quite interesting. But you you wrote in about it, so let's let's hear straight from the source. You said, I cannot lie. As much as I truly love chilled spearmint milk while drinking it, it does leave not the best aftertaste, and I tend to do something not long after finishing it to wash that clingy milk taste away. Gross. But thanks for the honesty. Another fave is honeycomb milk. That one is tough. That, sorry, that one, though, is not for the faint-hearted. I, I find it interesting you say that because honeycomb milk sounds a lot more like a natural way to flavor a milk than spearmint, but interesting. And I can't help but agree. Nobody Saves the World is fucking awesome. Well, Jay, there we go. If you think Nobody Saves the World is awesome, you have an enlarged penis and you have good taste in milk flavors. If you don't think say, uh, Nobody Saves the World is awesome, you probably are one of those people that works at Sony who who like eight years ago were like, we should get the Call of Duty marketing deals away from Xbox so we can sell more PlayStations. And now you're crying about how Xbox is gonna get the Call of Duty marketing deal and it's gonna persuade people to buy Xboxes for Call of Duty instead of PlayStations. Boohoo, nobody feels bad. You never got teased for doing marketing tie ins with Doritos and uh, Mountain Dew, so now your reckoning has come. Dead Captain James even jumped in on the conversation regarding spear, uh, Spearmint Milk and sounds and says, Oh my God, I can't. I'm, this isn't even reading, I just can't talk. But Dead Captain James res- responded to Jay and said, Spearmint Milk sounds freaking amazing. I want to try it now, but I can't find it anywhere in the U.S. See what we've done here. And this is all I want Xbox On to be. I want this to be a frustrating food experience. I want you guys to discover your next favorite food item that you can't have. This goes all the way back to the early days of Xbox On when we were talking about Nando's and how it's only in the fucking UK and Australia and... Us here in Florida, in Florida, in the U.S., are shit out of luck, but I think we eventually decided that there was actually a location in Chicago, so I think there is, a, there are, like, one or two. Maybe there's one in D.C. I don't remember. Anyway, long story short, this is the plight that we all must face. You know, you move to Florida, you can't get good Chinese food. You live in America, you're not going to get some spearmint milk-flavored drink. I don't know. What do the Australians not have that we have that's good and food-related? I, I don't know. Because I know you guys have a lot of shit we have, so I don't... What are you guys missing? I'm going to take a guess. I'm going to take a guess. I'm going to take a guess. We know you got Taco Bell because we read an entire Taco Bell menu one time on the podcast. Or maybe that was on the stream. Do my guess is that you Australians are missing out on Wolfgang Puck. You guys don't have a single Wolfgang Puck restaurant in all of Australia, which is sad. In fact, it's not just sad. It's pathetic. So you guys need to go. I think they just opened a new restaurant in like Dubai Um, so go there, or I think there's one maybe in, like, Hong Kong or or Singapore or somewhere like that, so maybe go there. I don't fucking know. Go find yourself the nearest Wolfgang Puck restaurant and go eat there, and if you don't like it, I'll fucking hurt you. I'll break your legs, but we're not even done yet, because I think Jay commented again. And, you know, it's not too often we see from, we we see Jay, so we're going to read everything he has to say, because it's, it's, it's desired. He says, also, Mint ice cream isn't on par with spare mint milk. Although I do like it heaps. Sorry to hear <laughs> sorry to hear my Twitter put my Twitter picture took up too much real estate in your head. Milk topics aside, I've almost finished this week's episode and it's another excellent one. Keep up the keep it up, Jesse. Jay, I uh, I wonder how you're gonna feel about this week's episode once you hear me just stuttering and failing to speak English the entire goddamn episode. But thank you, of course, for the kind words and the support. And Jay. I am right there with Dead Captain James now because you're telling me spearmint flavored milk tastes nothing like mint ice cream, and that was the only thing I had to kind of liken it to, and now I'm entirely at a loss for words, entirely just dumbfounded by the idea that spearmint milk exists out there. In what the U.S. the U.S. FDA is just the sorry the U.S. FDA FDA USDA Food Drug Administration whatever. Isn't doing something about this? Come on, we have 2.7 trillion dollars annually to spend on the military, but we can't find a couple, a couple, uh, a couple mil to make sure Americans are getting their minty milk. I call bullshit. All right, let's round out the show now with a couple of wrap-up comments from some of our favorites, our regulars, our lovers, our mojos. For instance, who says not a fan of the white stuff that comes out of cow titties. But giant anime titty milk, hell yeah, now we're talking, yum yum, give me some. Speaking of chicken tacos, did you hear that they are stopping production of the Chaco Taco? What the fuck? And speaking of video games, I don't like coconut, peace out, Exponers. Yeah, I don't remember if I found out about the discontinu- the discontinuation of the Chaco Taco because I read this comment earlier in the week and that's how I found out or if it's because I saw it on Twitter, I don't remember. But nonetheless, I, I know about it now uh, yeah, dude, that sucks. I like the Choco Taco quite a bit. I'll be honest. I've only ever had it maybe three times in my entire life, but I, I like it. I enjoy it. I think it's a good ice cream treat. It is fun. But if I'm being painfully honest with you, Choco Taco, which is a Klondike ice cream product. Um, I, I assume Klondike is available everywhere because only we in America don't get mint milk. I'm sure you guys get Klondike all over the globe. But, uh, yeah, Klondike, when it comes to Klondike, I got to be honest, my favorite thing of theirs are their ice cream sandwiches, um, just a traditional ice cream sandwich. Because the best thing about a Klondike ice cream uh, product is the vanilla ice cream is next level crack cocaine creamy deliciousness. And so I don't want the chocolate around a Choco Taco. I don't want the chocolate shells around the ice cream sandwich. I don't want the entire chocolate coating around a traditional Klondike bar. I just want the delicious vanilla ice cream that's on the inside. And so I like the ice cream sandwich is the best because you can just easily remove the chocolate shells around it and just eat the ice cream. And so I think that's the best uh, Klondike item, although you didn't ask me what my favorite Klondike item was. You just asked me if I heard about the discontinuation of the Choco Taco. So I apologize for derailing your comment. But yes, to answer your question, fat, animate, titty, milk, Hell yeah. Yummy, yummy. Give me somey. Last two comments, guys. Way of the Lau writes in and says, Well, I do declare, Mr. DeRosa, you and I are going to have some southern words on this fine, sweet tea drinking evening. First off, everyone, I hope you are doing well and you are thriving in these trying times. That's a very kind comment. Thank you, Way of the Lau. Um, My heart goes out to those who are struggling, and you are in my thoughts and prayers. Yeah, it's hard times for a lot of people. Amen, buddy. Uh, okay, Jesse, how dare you reduce my presence to an online soulless being being made of ones and zeros fit together in packets of that travel across the internet. Uh, I have thoughts and feelings. My good man for, we all know Cronky and lethal migraine are all part of your split personality disorder. That's probably true. I think that Ubisoft has the problem of blowing their load before they're ready, uh, before they're ready and disappointing the person on the other side, said person being the gamers. See, normally I would agree with that about Ubisoft. Um, Oh, sorry, I would want to agree with you on that in the specific instance we're in, but generally that's not true. Ubisoft usually announces games pretty close to launch relative to what, you know, fucking Xbox and, and a lot of these other teams do where they announce games three, four years in advance. So that doesn't actually add up for Ubisoft because generally, you know, they, they announce a new Far Cry game, a new Ghost Recon game, a new whatever game. Uh, about two years in advance, a year or two in advance. I mean, like the last watchdogs game, the last Assassin's Creed games, those were all announced within like 12 months of them coming out, if I remember correctly. So I'm actually going to have to politely disagree with you on that. I-, I think in this instance, they fucked up bad, but generally that's, that's not the issue. But you also wrap up by saying I have a great I have great anticipation for the Steam Deck and my reservations for October, mainly because I'll be playing Elden Ring while laying down watching South Park. Well, take care. It's been a year since I started listening to your podcast It has brought me joy in a way that like a Sonic hamburger with a large Coke and onion rings does after eating chicken and rice a week straight. This is why I know only only the real ones have stuck around and listened to Xbox on, because the fact that the people who listen to this podcast are people who want to watch South Park and eat Sonic cheeseburgers and uh, onion rings. Uh, it means that I'm not alone in this sick, godforsaken universe, and that there are still rational people out there who don't want to fucking eat a Chipotle and just watch whatever's on Netflix. Thank God you guys exist, because I would go insane if I didn't know otherwise. But also, Wade Lau, you wrote that comment a little bit like Sam Torres. So, and speaking of split personality disorder, I'm starting to wonder who you really are. And speaking of not knowing who you are, let's round out with our final comment of the week from the incomprehensible but lovable headhunting Halo, who writes in and says, "Personally, Ubisoft's one of the, my favorite companies, but they have started to go downhill over time." GTA Six is in development; it has to be Rockstar. Is you, sorry, GTA Six is in development; it has to be Rockstar. It's usually always good, so good about the their release dates. I can't think of why this one got delayed. Uh, they, they blame Co- they blame the Black Plague a lot for um, the delay of this game, I, and we know that's for one. Um, also, I think it's just GTA Online really stopped them from really making progress. Plus, they lost the Hauser Brothers, which really fucked things up. So, there's a couple good excuses on that. Anyway, you say, I have a feeling GTA 6 is so close to being done that I say less than two years we will have that game in our homes. Have you played Stray yet? I know you have a kitty in real life, so I thought I'd ask. Multiverse is amazing, fun as well. If you get to, if you get into it, uh, I am not going to play Multiverse. I have, I'm just not into Smash Bros types of games, um, but I am glad that you, among many others, seem to be really enjoying it. Um, but as for Stray, I definitely want to play Stray. Um, if if I had a PS5, I'd play it. But honestly, I'm, I have a, a deep gut feeling that Stray is going to be on game pass at some point i mean it will definitely come to xbox no doubt because annapurna games always come to xbox so i'm just waiting for that i also have a feeling it might be a game pass game but my, my plan is at least to wait for it to come to game pass i did almost cave and play it on pc recently but there are i have more than enough games i need to get to that i, I can wait um, but yes when it comes to xbox i will play stray um, I'm very much looking forward to it. And yes, it is it definitely has everything to do with the fact that I am now a cat father and I absolutely adore my cat and would absolutely slaughter every single person listening to the show if that's what it took to save my cat's life. And I say that with no no hint of irony or facetiousness or anything like that. I fucking love my cat all right guys that's gonna do it for this week's episode all the comments have been read and i love you all so very much sleep tight don't let the bud but 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 bu- bugs bite because i can't speak this week and god damn it i hope i f- fucking have an aneurysm so i don't gotta uh, keep screwing up my words but you know how this goes guys as we round out the podcast, I get to do the pimping, the thing that the podcast guys always do, the things that the YouTube's guys always do, where they're like, oh, please leave me a review. Guys, I hate, I, I want you to know with all sincerity, I hate asking you to subscribe, to leave a comment, to leave a five-star review. I hate that because I, I, I wish I, I had such a massive platform and so much pull and influence that I just never had to mention those things in the show with flourish and grow and do well. But the fact of the matter is, if you wanted to grow, you have to do these things. You have to you have to knock on on the door of your audience and be like, guys, please leave me a five-star review. It's how it works. It's not fun. I feel like a dick for doing it. It also feels tired and cliche as hell because I know you can't watch a goddamn two-minute tutorial video on YouTube without someone asking you to like, subscribe, and comment. But it's the honest-to-God truth. I, I, I want to grow the podcast. I work really hard on it, so... I ask in re- in return if you have the means to do so if you have the time and the inclination you know I don't don't stress yourself out over it by any means but if you can do so and it's not a big hassle it goes a long way I'd really appreciate a five star iTunes review uh, a Spotify review a YouTube comment a YouTube sub we're on Twitch uh, every Monday except this past Monday because I guess I had a, some mental breakdown and didn't do it for some reason. That's not the truth, but uh, I just I, I had to take a break. Um, but Monday nights, generally, uh, let me run this by you. I meant to say this earlier in the show. I'm thinking of switching the po- uh, the stream to Sunday nights instead of Monday nights. Let me know what you guys think about that. But yeah, Lightning Stream on Twitch. I'm also working on a new name. That's, that's not as cringy. Follow, follow me on YouTube. Follow me on the podcast. Leave nice reviews, comments. But more important than any of that, guys, Take care of yourselves. Play some awesome video games. Spend some time with your loved ones. Uh, as way of the Loud mentioned, times are getting tough. Uh, I, I, hate, I hate to think, but it's statistically likely that there are people listening to the show right now who are falling on hard times and, and dealing with some shit right now due to our, uh, our, our world run by corporations and political leaders who simply do not give a fuck about you and don't care if you die in a hole. And so a lot of people are unfortunately going to deal with some... Really rough shit in the coming months, and hopefully not, but maybe years. And I uh, just want to let you know, life is life is uh, life is too precious to uh, to maybe not sometimes just take a break, listen to an Xbox podcast, play a couple rounds of fucking Halo Infinite, um, hang out with your friends. You know, if you if you have kids or what, or a husband or wife or whatever, you know, spend some time with the people you love, your your parents, your siblings, whatever it is you got going on. Uh, enjoy yourselves. Take care. Be well. Do do things that make you happy and give your life some some uh, fulfillment and meaning. And until next week, don't drop the soap, but rather, are your dreams. You damn fucking milk drinking peppermint patty fucks.